Welcome to the crap and the crazy with Tash Critter. Tash owns Little Wooden Toy Box and is mother of two teens, both with autism, ADHD and PDA. Ten years in early intervention, working with the kids' OTs, speeches and psychologists has given Tash unique insight into understanding difficult behaviours and why they occur, as well as understanding how emotional regulation and sensory input impacts us and our behaviour. This insight has helped Tash design and implement resources and coping strategies to make home life calmer and more organised. Join Tash as she talks about day-to-day -day life with autism, the sucky bits and the wins, plus tips for enjoying life despite the challenges. Hello. Hey. This is Ish. Ish has been our speech pathologist for five, seven Lots of years, time. a long Feels time. Like a long time. <laughs> so I've been banging on about Ish in my videos uh, for a while. I don't think I've mentioned you in our podcast yet. Possibly not yet. Not yet. <laughs> um, Ish is a speech pathologist. She is a director of speech therapy services. Yes. And the speechy life. And the speechy We got there. We yeah. got there. So Ish actually mentors speeches as well as works with families like us. I haven't never asked you. Yeah. Are all your families like us? Like, do all your kids have diagnoses? They do now. They do? Yeah, the majority. I would say about 90% of the families that I work with have a neurodiverse label. Um, but there's still a few families that I'm working with who may never get that label, yep. but have similar sorts of needs or that um, they are just in their journey on the way to yep. getting a label. So... How do families find you? So, so find a speech pathologist yeah, in general. Yeah. So usually what will happen is that you'll have an inkling that your child is just not developing in the way that you think that they should or that other children are particularly in like when you're with your mother's group and play yeah. groups and things like and that. And your kid's licking the walls. It's <laughs> yeah. just have different needs and they are wanting to experience the world in a different way. And so um, you start asking questions, right? And that might be like verbal questions where you ask maybe your GP or um, other other mums in your mother's group or the playgroup leader or other professionals. Or it might be that you get on Google and you start Googling and you go down the rabbit hole, highly suggest that you don't go down the rabbit hole because... <laughs> Google doesn't solve <laughs> no. many problems. No, and it will just increase that anxiety and the spiral as well. Yeah. So with speech pathologists, you don't need a referral to go and see a speech pathologist. You can get a referral, but you don't need one. So I think that's the first thing to say, um, at least in WA, you definitely yep. don't need a referral to see a speech pathologist. You can see speeches in the private sector or in the government sector. Obviously, if you're going through the government sector, it's going to take a while and you will we'll need to be put on a list. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what does a speechy actually do? Because every time I mention that we, you know, just to randoms that we're seeing a speechy, they think it's for articulation or pronunciation or certain sounds or whatever else. We're, we never dealt with any of those things. Maybe pronouns. I don't know if we even worked with that because my kids didn't know the difference between he and she and that took years. And yeah, but what did, so what, um, you know, families that are going through this journey like we are, what do they come to you for? What are you good at? Communication. Yeah. 
So I think, look, speech pathologist is probably the worst label for what it is that we do. Mm. So in other countries and in Australia as well, we're starting to talk, call ourselves uh, speech language therapists because it encompasses more of what we do. But think of it more like communication. Yeah. So whether that is talking, whether that is signing, whether it is using a device in order to communicate or whether it is written language because we forget about that. So when kids get into school, we they are writing and that being able to read and write is something that we work on as yeah. well. So think about speech pathologists essentially as communicators and we're going to help you and your child be able to get better communication together because it's really about the relationships and relationship building is based on communication. So yeah. we need to start with that first. So this is just a random question because I think with us we – had the speechy for diagnosis and then we had a really good one to start with and then we had a few dodgy ones and then we found you along the way. So I don't really remember the process. Like I didn't go to speechy, a speechy first for issues. I've completely forgotten why I said that. We're just redoing that tape because I forgot to turn the microphone on. <laughs> so do you remember where we started on our journey with you? Like way back because it's, it's been, little yeah it's yeah. been a journey right and that's the thing about finding um the right professionals to be in your team I think yep. that as a parent you know who you work best with and often I think as parents you go in and think I just want a therapist that my child gels with yeah right um but you also need to gel with the therapist so if you don't feel like you're being seen and you're being heard and the issues that are coming up for you are like every day if if the therapist isn't able to help you with that then that's something that you need to speak to the therapist about because that's going to impact on not just therapy sessions but therapy sessions are a very small part of your week yep like yep. you need to be having strategies and supports for throughout your week and that's where we started because um as always all the kiddos that come to me I'll do an assessment I'll go through and talk about these are the language areas that um that we will need to work on these are the gaps that we are going to have to try and bridge so that school is a bit more successful for yep. them and that life is more successful but pretty quickly for you and I we found out that we really needed to put more things in at home yes I'm meant to say at the beginning because I'm the worst host ever and this is new to me when I was introducing Ish not that I did a very good job of that either but Ish is very very good at the tools and strategies at home which I guess that's the way I'm wired I'm a fix-it person I'm a take what we do in the therapy and then you know put it in place at home which is how I have this business and all the routines resources the sensory um, resources, the emotional regulation, all of that has come from, even the CVC stuff yeah. has come from <laughs> loads and loads of sessions with Ish. So everything has been, you know, what we've needed at home along the way. So everything, all the resources I do now are based on real life, everyday life that we've tested and over the years. But a lot of it has come from our sessions together. And I was just saying to Ish before, we, um, so when I was doing the CVC course, which is the consonant of our consonant, like kids learning to read and write or spell and read and the English language is ridiculous but bringing in all those files and resources and this was a while back it was a while back and frustration <laughs> and Tash would be like sitting on the floor because with your sensory needs you weren't very good no <laughs> or keen to sit on the chair so Tash would be sitting on the floor with all of her resources and we'd be kind of working through and I'd be trying and then to calling in other it. speeches yeah. just like with stupid rules like Ball and all sounds and whatever. Yeah, anyway. it's a tr like the resources are a collaboration, but I think mm. 
just if therapy is collaborative, right? Like it can't just be a one-way street where you are walking into a therapy clinic and saying, here's my child and Fix I need you to <laughs> make these changes that's just not especially when you're talking about neurodiversity we're not thinking about fixing the child what we're trying to do is we're trying to make life as enjoyable for the child as possible and often and I think this is the hard bit is that it's about accommodations and it's about changing the environment and upskilling but the upskilling for the child can take a little while so what we want to do is we want to change the environment we want to add in all of the resources and the supports we need to educate the people around the child as well so that as the child is learning at their own pace that they are getting to enjoy their life to a hundred percent and that everybody around them gets to enjoy their life as well yep. and the interactions with it with the kiddo as well I think everybody needs to thrive yeah and I think that's been a big one so having your um just going back a bit little bit working with your speech pathologist but also having a team so working with the psych as well talking in between I know right now we've got Ish um talking with our new OT that we've got so um you know working as a team that way but also going back to um you know, having someone else look at your mess from an outside point of view, I think that's really valuable because when you're living and breathing it every single day, you're sleep deprived, you've got a kid screaming at you all the time. Um, not that that's the case now, but it was back then. It's very hard to see where you should change things or see what needs changing because you're in it, you're in yeah. the middle of it. So to have someone else, um, you know, that is trained in the sensory profile, sensory regulation stuff, as well as the emotional regulation to actually see that, okay, you don't actually have an issue in this area. It's your kid hasn't coped with the last 10 things that have happened. Um, So let's address that. Let's deal with the sensory side of things, make some changes there, put some things in place, put some routines in place, and life starts to get a little bit easier. Absolutely. And then you can deal with the bigger stuff, right? Because we have to clear the dead weight. Like it's often, and this is for any of us, I think Mm -hmm. we forget as adults how tricky navigating life can be. And we have learned lots of strategies and we are using lots of tools in our day to calm ourselves, whether that's a cup of coffee in the morning, whether it's a glass of wine at night, whether it's Instagram scrolling or social media scrolling, we all do things to self-regulate. And I think that when um, you're working with a family, it's really important to be able to look at the big picture stuff and then get into the nitty gritty as well you kind of like a good therapy team will kind of um, zoom out and zoom in constantly and also look at the bigger picture as well so we might be um, working like for example with an eight-year-old but we're still going okay well let's track this to high school and then after high school because you've got to think big picture because they're not going to remain eight for more than 12 months, right? And then they're going to become nine and 10 and there's going to be different challenges along the way. And sometimes in order to prepare for the challenges that are coming up when they're 10, you've got to start at eight. Yep. And our last session was talking about, so mine are now 13 and almost 15, but we're starting to look forward till 25 and how things are going to look and what we need to put in place now. So for right now, for my boy, um, I don't want him leaving school at 18 without having a job. 
Um, So we're starting to put things in place now as far as getting a CV together and just planting that seed, I suppose, rather than getting to 18 and going, oh, crap, he doesn't have a job, he doesn't have the life skills, doesn't have this, that and the other to get through the next stage of life kind of thing. Um, And we've probably done that all the way through. All the way through, we would have. And then, you know, that whole transition from primary school to high school. That's always um, a good one. Yeah, it's it's a huge transition, not just for the kiddo, but for the parent as well, because I think high schools and I think this is really important because high schools tell parents that your child is in high school now and you need to back off and you need to give them independence and you need to allow them to be able to um, make mistakes and learn the skills as they go. But when you've got a neurodiverse kiddo, there's a whole heap of anxiety and executive functioning needs and sensory needs and a whole heap of other things that are going on. So that's like the worst advice possible that you could be given, right? Like what you need to do is you need to be there even more for your child and you need to do the executive functioning stuff for them. You need to be the one planning and organizing and sorting them out because they're going to forget things and they're going to forget you know stuff that they've got to have in their bag and then they're going to get in trouble and they're going to get really anxious about getting in trouble and now you've got school refusal and it's so easy to avoid all of that by just supporting them right at the beginning and putting lots in place in year six to get them ready for year seven yeah and even with the work that we've done like that's just described my last (laughs) yeah my my boy transitioned from memory Mm. i think a lot easier than what my girl did and that just completely took me off guard I suppose um with all the issues we ended up dealing with in that yeah that transition into school because in primary school you've got your one teacher you move around the school but it's very different from high school and yeah that was a fun year but it probably was one of the harder years I've had in a long time and when you're dealing with the screaming in those early years that's challenging with the lack of sleep and everything else but when they're and I guess this is what we've just been going through the last year when they're and that I don't know, it's taken like a year just to process everything that's going on because, again, you're in the middle of it. No one actually prepares you for that. I mean, as much as like all the work we've been doing and we've done five, six years with you and this still caught me off guard with my girl transitioning into high school in that no one prepares you for the amount of lost hats and... Lost drink bottles. Oh, drink bottles. (laughs) And she took two skirts to school one day. I'm like, why? And just all this stuff. And then, um, you know, I'm big on the planning and the organisation, but she's like, no, like that just didn't work for her. And then strategies and tools that I've relied on for so long just didn't work for this child. This could be a part of the PDA profile, so that um, excessive demand avoidance, which I still haven't talked about in a podcast because I'm still learning. I will get there. But yeah, it's it's really interesting how long you can be in therapy and have your tools and strategies and your expectations and whatever, and then your kid's like, no, just gonna just gonna work this way now, and then learning to roll with the punches that's, too. That's the thing, and, isn't it? Yeah, because what works for one child won't work for another no. child, and what works for one child some of the time will stop working at some point as well. So that's where I think as um, when you have a therapy team, you will have people come in and out of your team or you will turn to one person in your team and not need the other people in your team or only need a couple of people in your team and then you will go back to those people again. So there is that fluctuation. I think also what happens in high school is that once your kids are at high school, there is this expectation, probably because you see all the other 
other parents do this and, and it's reinforced by the high school, that you're all of a sudden going to have more time for yourself, right? Like Yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> you're going to have more that... time to do your work and to get more life balance and all of the things and in fact your kids are probably going to need you even more because they are going to hold it all in together and have meltdowns yep. in the evenings um they're probably going to want you later at night because yeah. their body clocks have changed but yours hasn't and yes. nobody warned you about it yes um and that when you are ready to go in the morning um they're not ready to go no. they're they're as slow as so it's a whole different change and especially if you've got um, a couple of years between children as well you know like you get the first child through that period and you're like okay I've got this I know what I'm doing and you're getting the second child through and it's not the same and you need a whole bunch of new skills yeah and perhaps even new team members as well because we've got a new OT on board yeah we've been through big changes so we're um, looking at changing the psych as well because um yeah Missy's psych is pregnant now so you know those changes as well and yeah they weren't like my kids have never really they've needed me but they've never really interacted with me so um I said in the last episode I would read to my boy when he was little and he would come over close the book and sit on it so I couldn't read and like my background's in teaching and I read Mem Fox and you're supposed to read to your kid and nope nope he didn't want a bar of that and then miss if you went to you know play or interact with her she would get really upset because you'd ruined the structure of whatever her expectations and her were. Plan, whatever yeah. plan she had. And this play. has been the same. So as much as I've put strategies in place and I've been very, you know, hands-on that way, mm. they don't interact with me as such. But then we get to high school and it's not, oh, they've needed me a lot more. And then, you know, the focus being on Miss mm-hmm. more. I'm saying this year, but I actually mean last year. And then that balance where my boys always had my attention and now he doesn't have my attention. So then you're dealing with that side of things and different behavioral issues. And so it's not screaming anymore, but it's playing out differently. And like you said a bit earlier, um, you know, you deal with those bigger things before you get to the, like you deal with the sensory regulation mm-hmm. and the emotional regulation, those things before you actually get to or even notice some of the smaller underlying issues, which now we're getting to deal with as well. And sometimes screaming seems easier to deal with because I know how to deal with that. I know to use the deep pressure, whatever else, but I'm like, oh, it's I feel like I'm all out of my depth again. Yeah. Yeah. It's because they're also becoming their own human beings and I in can't a bigger way. Fix right? it for them like when they were kids. I no. yeah, I need to let them learn yeah. their mistakes. Otherwise I'm not doing them any favours. And there's more people in their world as well. They've yeah. got friendships now that mean a lot more to them yeah. than before. So um, whereas children might have not really worried so much about friendships or the importance yeah. of friendships and you you might have been really worried, my child's never going to have a friend or they, they just don't seem to be really connected with other kids their age and then they get into their teenagehood where friendships are really like really, really important at this stage. And so you're not just managing your child's emotions or trying to support them in helping them manage their emotions around themselves. It's also the influence of other people and how they're interacting with other people. So there's a whole bunch of unknowns as well. And yeah, um, we've had that a few times this year, last year uh, with my girl, as far as, you know, her relationships with friends and you can only see her side, you can't see the other side. And then just because they have a falling out, like, is this 
relationship worth calling it quits now versus learning those life skills of, I don't know, negotiation, compromise, um, perspective, perspective and learning what their values are and whether, you know, friendships align with their values or, you know, people make mistakes and all of these things are coming up and you're only getting half of that. And I don't have the answers, but watching them navigate that and trying to, I guess, scaffold that, but not fix it for them or tell them what to do. And sometimes you just got to be there to pick up the pieces, I guess. You do, you do. And I think also we all bring in our own experiences Mm. and our own baggage into that situation as well. So there's the way that you as a human being want to deal with a particular situation, but you're also trying to teach your children how to, or your teens, how to deal with a particular situation. And sometimes they may not have the skills to deal with that situation, but you don't know how much you should intervene or not because it's not socially appropriate sometimes as well or yep. it may impact the, the their relationships with their friends in a different way there's just so many unknowns right yeah and then you throw yeah. in some homo- hormones and oh, puberty, and puberty. And <laughs> oh my goodness into the mix yes. of it and it yes. becomes really really tricky mm, it does and and also i suspect in high school although it does happen more in the upper years of primary school you're not that involved in school right you're like you're not even going no. through the gates of school you don't know you have less idea about what happens throughout their school day. So yep. even in in terms of supporting them with their regulation and just to um, decrease the anxiety, you, you're just working with less information. Yes, yes. Yeah, fun times. It is fun times. <laughs> I think this is where your therapy team can really help, though, because sometimes it's going to be more appropriate for your therapist to be in yep. the school or doing an observation or speaking to the teachers and getting that information for you. So this is a time that you can actually use your therapy team to almost be the information gatherers for you. Yeah, true. And another side of that, which I don't know, as they get older, um, is trusting the therapy team to... So when you're when they're younger, like I was in all of the sessions, but now my kids are working with their therapist and you know, especially when it's psych as well, it's confidential. So I don't know the information that they're working with their therapist anymore. So trusting the team that way. And I think that's the importance of finding a good team as well. Um, Because your kids, like you don't know everything going on at school, but also starting to be in therapy it now too becomes really hard yeah. and it's something that I'm hearing a lot from my the families that I work with who also have um, their children seeing a psychologist and this is something that parents find really really hard because you're trying to protect your child and you're trying to support your child and you're trying to give them all of the tools but then they go and see the psych and you don't know what's said in that session you nope. don't know what's been dealt with and you don't get a lot of information back from the psych because it's confidential yeah. and you can't get that information and so that can actually be really frustrating for parents. So one of the things that I would really encourage you to do is discuss that with the psych and talk about your frustrations and then your psych can give you some tools, some strategies, maybe even suggest for you to see a psych for yourself um, because there's a lot that you'll need to unpack as well in the journey. And I think that everybody needs to be supported. And that's something that I'm really passionate about. I really do believe, and I'm going to say mums in this situation because it's mostly mums that I deal with, but I think when mums thrive, 
kids thrive, right? Like you cannot, you cannot support your child when you are drowning and you're overwhelmed and you're anxious and you're spiraling. So I think getting support for yourself and whether, and that's through your child's therapy team to start with. And then maybe a therapist for yourself is going to be so, so important to a successful journey and just enjoying life through the journey as well yeah all right we will wrap this up in a sec i just wanted to say around you know looking after yourself as a mum, and this has been again it probably just the same timing as my girl transitioning into high school and just everything seemed to change Mm -hmm. we had we've never had our ducks in a row but i at least (laughs) had some idea of what i was dealing with and then just everything changed but just that expectation again of you know i was doing crossfit i'd done it for three years really loved it but then started to not love it but that was my thing that was my mental health thing that was my social thing so I was supposed to like it so I kept going and I did this for probably a good year dragging myself along to gym because you know I'm supposed to look after me and I'm supposed to enjoy it but I just wasn't and that took a good long while for me to go no this isn't working for me and I actually stopped for a three-week period and I'm like just the relief and I'm like I shouldn't be relieved at the thing that's supposed to be making me happy um so I actually changed gyms and that's when I ended up doing yoga and whatever else Pilates and you know being okay with or understanding or you know just those expectations of your needs will change as a mum as well and what worked for you before may not work for you now or you know to be okay with those changes. All right, should we stop talking now? I think so. Okay. But I think that's the theme of mm. this session is that everyone's needs will change yeah. and yeah. you've got to be able to adapt to that. Yeah, maybe okay. I should <laughs> rename it. All right, I'm going to stop talking. I will see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.